1: Country. I'm someone's daughter, too.
2: That's what I'm me
1: God. Congratulations, Mr. President. The Betches <laughs> Up Podcast.
0: Mr. Vice President,
2: I'm
0: speaking. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Millie Tamares. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in US news and politics. We're coming at you from all over the nation today. Mm-hmm.
3: Millie, do you want to tell everyone where you are? I'm in the
2: most blessed, peaceful, revolutionary, progressive part of this country, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Miami, Florida to be exact.
0: <laughs> Amazing. Have you run into our friend Ron yet?
2: Ron DeSantis? Um, I have not. I turned on local news the other day, and I know we're going to get to it, but I turned on local news, and it was basically the mayors of every big city <laughs> talking about how terrible Ronda DeSantis. but like a super cut of it. Almost oh my like God. Um, Imagine, like, like Gal Gadot's Imagine video that, that trended early on quarantine, but it was just every mayor saying how shitty right. Ronda Santis was.
3: Well, if any time like a mayor of an individual place like Miami or whatever tries to impose any kind of like mask mandate or whatever, like he's always swoops right in and is like, I'm making it illegal for the entire state to do anything.
2: Yeah, it's it's so crazy, so hypocritical, but I'll let Amanda get to it. Yeah, so let's
0: get into what we're talking about. Chief headline today regarding Florida, other than Millie's presence, of course, course. is that Florida governor, of course, Ron DeSantis signed an executive order on Monday suspending the state's COVID-19 restrictions, calling it the evidence-based thing to do. He was a real clown about it. He was like, At this point, if you are wearing a mask, you're saying you don't believe in vaccines. Okay. He was such a
3: little piece of shit announcing. He has that. He has that, like. Trump era. I mean, it it predates the Trump era, actually. He's just a manifestation of it. But he has that, like, trolling attitude. And it's like, you're a fucking governor of a really major state in this union. Like, Mm -hmm. can you act like a fucking adult Mm -hmm. and make an announcement and make an important public health announcement Mm -hmm. without being like, liberals are actually the ones who are dumb. And if you have a mask on, you're the one who hates science. (laughs) Like, I just hate it. I hate
2: it. Yeah, I mean, everything... It's crazy because... I mean, the hypocrisy is so strong, right? Like, these are the people that believe in freedoms and all this stuff, and they say how important family is, and they say how important, like, we should respect our elders, and they say, like, government overreach and all this shit, and... And, they're the, and, the, and people who are like, oh, everything's so politically correct. We can't not politicize things anymore and blah, blah, blah. But these are the people like turning everything into a political issue, sacrificing older people for their fucking trolling things. And it's just like, yeah, like, can't you just do something? Can't you just ask people to wear a mask? Like, It's not even that serious.
3: Well, and it's also scary because we've got people like Tucker Carlson now on his show being like, if you see a child wearing a mask in public, like they're now encouraging their supporters to be even more aggressive, Mm -hmm. which like we've actually seen anti mask people being extremely aggressive throughout this entire thing. So like they're now encouraging them to be even more confrontational and aggressive. Because like it's going to be an identity have been asked to wear a mask. So they're like, yeah. now we're going to attack children because you've asked me to wear a mask.
0: Right. It's like, I think there's going to be anti-vaxxers for like months after the pandemic, I guess, quote unquote ends. It's just going to be like, like, it's, there's going to be some like weird political movement. And everyone's in like 10 years. And was like, how did this start? It's like, well, it's the, it's the, it's the anti-mask people. And everyone's like, what? Oh, they yeah, they, 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 they created an actual legitimate <laughs> arm of politics. But this order is especially sinister because as you said, Elise, it basically like it bans all local pandemic related restrictions. So like if you're in a town, it's Florida. Like if you're a mayor of a town with like a shit ton of old people that might not be vaccinated yet, you are not allowed to implement any restrictions now. Um, But it does allow private businesses to require masks and enforce social distancing measures. I don't think you can force private business. uh, Certainly not Republicans aren't going to force private businesses to do anything. But there was a really strong reaction to this. I think in part of was just the delivery that he was just suggesting that because in Florida he was saying you don't have to wear masks, that mean masks are pieces of shit.
2: Yeah. Well yeah. it's also just like I mean it's so shitty because I mean a lot of places are like this where you know the outside of the major cities is really conservative and the major cities are more liberal as they have more people of color. And um, Miami's a little different. You know, there's a lot more conservative Hispanic people. But for the most part, most major cities are very liberal. And it's just like, it's just shitty that people who, you know, don't live on top of each other, aren't like in these more dense areas, Are you know, it's like anti-majoritarian government at play for sure, because it's not even letting uh, the people who you know, are in these more dense populated areas get proper representation. They're having people who live in the middle, you know, not in the middle of nowhere, but in like, yeah, like you don't have to go into town or you live in your own big house or a big farm. Like, you don't live in a major city, so you don't have to take public transportation, you you know? And those are the people that are voted for Ron DeSantis and are making these decisions. And now he's saying that no, this is the only way to do it. It's just like fucking crazy.
0: Well, and I—I I mean, the, the other reason I've been waiting for an opportunity to discuss Ron DeSantis because he is sort of a top-line 2024 darling. I believe I saw like a headline the other day. Mm-hmm. I can't—I can't remember if it said. I think it said that Donald Trump is is considering, strongly considering, and favors Ron DeSantis as a 2024 running mate, which just made me a little sick to say.
3: Yeah, um, I mean, it's scary because, like, you think about how much of like a lackey for Trump, Mike Pence was Mm -hmm. Ron DeSantis would be even worse. Like Ron DeSantis would like Mike Pence had to step in on January 6th and call in the National Guard. Ron DeSantis would not have done that. Never. And also Ron DeSantis would have not certified the election. Like he would have done the things he wouldn't have had the very small amount of integrity that even Mike Pence had. So that's very alarming. And number two. He's, if Donald Trump doesn't run, which I think, I don't think what Trump says about running or not running matters because he always plays this game and he's played it for years. For you, like since the 1980s, like, right. I also realized as I
0: delivered that line, I made it like I need to train myself out of like treating it like a foregone conclusion. Like who will be yeah. Trump's running mate? Nobody. He's out of here. Yeah, but I can't yeah, think that and Trump,
3: and Donald Trump has a very long history of playing with running for president and not running, even more <laughs> than he actually ultimately did run. Mm-hmm. He did run, and obviously that was a disaster, but. He's yeah. pretended to run many, many times. So like when you're that. on The Bachelor and in The Bachelor universe, like if you just happen to have
0: one season of The Bachelor, that can be the least consequential thing about your presence. In the yes,
3: Bachelor. <laughs> exactly. He, you never know. Like he's always in the universe doing something. Is he going on paradise? What's he doing? Exactly. Well,
2: we don't know. Well, it's also like, right, if he chooses that he's he's running or not, like, you know, it's, um, it's just beneficial make for money. him. Yeah, he can raise money. He can, like, make appearances. Everyone's kind of, like, sucking his dick, you know, because they're, like, want to be on his good side. You know what I mean? It's only beneficial for him to tease. It's not beneficial 100%. For him. 100%. And then it's also, like, any criminal investigation against him will be seen as, like, oh, they're just scared of me, run, you know? So it's, like, yeah, mm-hmm. like, even if he's not going to run, saying that he's going to run, um, is only helpful for him and he only cares about himself. I don't know how the people who vote for him don't realize that.
3: Yes. But Ron DeSantis, what, what the, what I was trying to get to is that Ron DeSantis is under Trump, like, Republicans' favorite candidate for 2024. Like, he's the, like, Crazy. of all the, you no know, of all the Josh Hollies and Ted Cruz's who are yeah. bending over fucking backwards to destroy democracy in hopes of becoming the Republican nominee, they <laughs> actually like Ron DeSantis the most. So it's important for us to keep our eyes on Ron DeSantis because he's Very obviously,
2: important.
3: whether he's Trump's running mate, whether he's running himself, like, this guy's gonna be... Uh, in the conversation for a while.
0: So, Charlie Crist is actually going to challenge Ron DeSantis for governor uh, in a few years. And he's a pretty prominent Democrat. I mean, we keep trying. It was Andrew Gillum, right? He ran for governor there mm-hmm. and yeah. did not get, he got close, right? It he was kind of wild.
2: And it was fucked up because, um, you know, majority black counties and cities in South Florida, those votes weren't counted properly, obviously. Christ. So, it's like, Had votes been counted properly, he would have I think he would have won or went a a lot closer. And it was already close, which is crazy for Florida. Yeah. And it was
3: prior to like the reinstatement of voting rights, which like Ron DeSantis isn't even allowing to happen. But technically, (laughs) voting rights have been restored to people with felony convictions in Florida yeah, um, that has technically occurred. Yeah. That technically so, and that's
2: occurred. like one hundred. Uh, that's one million people re-enfranchised. So if they all voted, you know, what I mean, that's the whole point of keeping them from voting, right, is that if they all voted, a Republican wouldn't win. I mean, not right. saying and- every, um, you know, felon or uh, anybody who, who's been previously incarcerated is Democrat. But most of them probably wouldn't vote for a Republican.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people that are, were incarcerated have been, like, targeted by Republican policies, and that's what kept them imprisoned. And, yeah, during the 2020 election, they technically were, but they still had to pay back certain fees and stuff that Florida admitted. We don't even know how to tell them what fees. Yeah. It was crazy. Like, if you look back at, like, Rick Scott, like, he never would have been elected to anything if uh, former formerly incarcerated people had access. And Rick Scott also should be, like, a felon. <laughs> He's committed crazy crimes. yeah. So this brings us perfectly into our next topic, which today we are going to talk about Donald for a moment, just so we can talk about Liz Cheney. So on Monday, President Trump released a statement calling the 2020 election fraudulent. This is this is nothing new, Mm -hmm. but he's Mm -hmm. saying it again, likely to raise money. He has a lot of debt and nothing stopping him from continuing to fundraise from supporters. Mm -hmm. So he said the fraudulent presidential election of 2020 will be from this day forth known as the big lie. So Liz Cheney clapped back once again on Twitter just to say the 2020 presidential election was not stolen. This reaction had like a performative vibe to it, even though I believe she feels that it's. it's yeah, I mean, she's putting fact.
3: she is putting a lot on the line for that. So, I mean, Liz Cheney is not someone that I stand in any way, shape or form. Yeah, she she is per, she's perpetuated a lot of bad, but she I mean, she's putting her herself on the line in a major way. She's facing like some serious primary challenges now. They want to strip her of her like leadership position. So remember when Matt Gates went to Wyoming
2: <laughs> and ship. had
0: an anti-Liz Cheney rally. That that should have like decimated this whole campaign to start. But yeah, as you said, I think Kevin McCarthy said, okay, we'll like look into her committee assignments. But like you said, Elise, I mean, I'm thinking about what you were just saying, which is that like Ron DeSantis is who they like. That's yeah. who Republican voters across the country are actually into, and like I think there are maybe Republicans from like a, a different generation who favor somebody like like Cheney, but she doesn't have the votes to like win the nomination off. Like taking it's the like stand. not
3: even like what is Mitt Romney is getting booed off stage, mm-hmm. like and these people have. All the poli, like their policies are 100% Republican. These people vote, voted with Donald Trump 99% of the time. They just say they don't like his character and they're booted from the party. I also do want to say, reading Donald Trump's weird statements released on like, his weird fake letterhead because he doesn't have Twitter is really it's very funny because they they are just his tweets on a piece of paper Mm -hmm. basically Mm -hmm. and I do I do wonder if it stings that she responded on Twitter because he can't get back into her he can't get back into it
2: with her because he's still banned
0: oh amazing amazing
2: um and you know just to say like republicans are fucking cowards they matt gates matt gates's friend was like yes we paid a 17 year old for sex and there's no conversation of him getting kicked out him losing committee assignments Crazy. nothing and then these are the people that make up the make up lies about joe biden pedophile like all this shit and like there are actual pedophiles in their fucking thing. There are, actually, there are actual leaders in their party ignoring sexual assault and they do not care. And then, and then like somebody who stands up and then yeah, like, you know, listen to another podcast and it's just like, yeah, the political consequences of, you know, saying that, you know, going, a, a get, going along with the big lie do not outweigh the political consequences of telling the truth. So everyone's just going to do whatever they like to help them and like look at what's happening to Liz Cheney within her own party. And then another thing is like, yeah, all Donald Trump can do is talk shit about the election being a fraud. He can't say Joe Biden's doing a bad job because he's not. He can't say Joe Biden isn't helping people because a lot of people are fucking. I mean, not as many as we need, but a lot of fucking people are vaccinated and there's a lot more money going around to lower income people than there was when Trump was president. So instead of like, you know, if Joe Biden fucked up Mm -hmm. or was a piece of shit, Donald Trump would be constantly attacking Joe Biden's policies and being like, he's really only for the rich and all this stuff and like rallying his base that way. But there is no legitimate argument there because the Biden administration is very competent. So all they can do is do this shit. That is so true. It's
0: like the only public statements he's made are about the election because that's he has nothing else. I don't even think if he he doesn't have like the intellectual curiosity or ability to even comment on the policies.
3: (laughs) It's also so interesting to me that, like, he both claims the vaccine and doesn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, it's very, very weird because like he I guess he knows his base is skeptical and he kind of does whatever he wants, but that would kind of be his biggest thing that he could say like he didn't really develop the vaccine but it was developed during his administration so you would think mm-hmm. that he would be like it's my vaccine it's the trump vaccine everybody <laughs> should get the trump vaccine i got three of the trump vaccine like it's just <laughs> odd mm-hmm. to yeah, me that he Moderna doesn't- i got both Yeah, like he would just be like, like you would think he'd be releasing statements that's like the Pfizer vaccine is now called the Trump vaccine and trying to get all of his people to get it and be like Trump. But for some reason, it's literally he's incapable of making a choice that would be helpful. Truly. Uh, His advisors (laughs) are trying to get him like just do a PSA
0: about the vaccine. That would be huge. That would like totally move the needle for you. And he just has no interest or won't do it is making a miscalculation of where his potential support will come from well
2: he didn't even like want to take the vaccine publicly because he didn't want to look weak uh and it's just so crazy because had he admitted looking weak for or admitted like how big of a problem this was or anything he probably would have won again but Mm -hmm. because so it's like his downfall what is it hubris whatever literary device yeah. Oh yeah. Totally.
3: I just think he's actually incapable of even accidentally making a correct choice. <laughs> like he can't even stumble into doing something that would be helpful to anyone. No, so. not at all. <laughs>
0: like He has like ethical vertigo. It's he can't like, he's even not...
3: selfishly like it's He's no. so selfish in everything, but he's not in this for some reason or in a weird way for this. It's bizarre. Yeah, a lot
0: of people even just they accidentally happen onto something positive. He has failed to even do that.
3: Yeah. There are plenty of dictators and bad, bad people who have accidentally had like a successful policy or two. Right. And like, he, can't, right. he can't. The only thing that came
0: close was that he was like, okay, I'll do what Kim Kardashian wants. But then he still yeah. then pardoned all person. of his
3: friends. <laughs> yeah, like offering one person that Kim Kardashian me for free. Okay. Right.
0: I did it. I'm done. That's the good deed for my term. <laughs> So for our next story today, Bill and Melinda Gates announced yesterday they were ending their marriage in identical statements. So 146 billion dollars is at stake in the divorce. I've tried to wrap my Damn head around Melinda. that kind of money. That's I crazy. know it's crazy. I, mean, it, I can't wrap my hand around 1 billion. It's a thousand million. It's out of control. So what? This is 146 billion is 146,000 million, right? Sounds <laughs> yeah, I don't like girl. I don't know. I think so. So she filed for divorce saying this marriage is irretrievably broken. They will divide their property based on a separation contract that they've signed. I think they decided to sign it around the time they decided to end their marriage. Gates is the fourth richest person in the world. In Washington, States, in Washington State where they live right now, anything acquired during a marriage is considered equally owned by both partners. And uh, Melinda Gates in the petition stated, I just think this is such a flex move, spousal support is not needed. Mm.
2: Period. Oh, Jesus.
0: But yeah, because she has all that property. But why is this news? As I said, Bill Gates is the world's fourth richest person. The couple has both individuals and business partners with the Gates Foundation, this is like a type of wealth that not nobody else has. As I said, the fourth richest person. So just with that amount of wealth and their philanthropy, like they control parts of the world and parts of like the nonprofit economy. Mm-hmm. They control tons of property too, just as individuals. And their actions like can really ripple through the tech industry. What they decide to prioritize in global health tends to be what gets attention mm-hmm. because they can incentivize innovation on what they decide has value. Climate change is huge for them. So just... All of these policy things that I think it's like easy to sort of sense from the the scenes that Melinda might be sort of guiding them through. So the couple says that they will continue to cooperate in their philanthropy through the Gates Foundation. But Bloomberg had like an interesting uh, interview with a divorce lawyer who said that this is actually really hard for, for powerful couples to do. Like, it sounds easy, but like, yeah, imagine if you and your husband owned a huge company and then you had to work together as equals and your marriage is irretrievably broken. I don't know. But a fun anecdote is that Bill Gates's mom apparently always was urging her son to donate more of his wealth. Like you don't need this.
3: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Same. Bill Gates' mom.
0: (laughs) And so apparently she gave Melinda a letter on their wedding day that said, from those to whom much is given, much is expected. And Bill Gates' mom died a few months later.
3: So that's very Spider-Man. That story has a very (laughs) Spider-Man
0: energy. (laughs) Yeah. That would
2: have been a long time ago, but. Imagine being called greedy on your wedding day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) By your mom. By your mom.
2: Honestly, it's possible for me. But (laughs) honestly, not of the realm of possibility for me. But
3: (laughs) Um, all I have to say to Melinda, who I know is listening, is to remind her of the sage words of Ivana Trump in First Wives Club, which is, of course, don't get mad, get everything.
2: Oh, my God, Ivana Trump. (laughs) Very,
3: very important.
2: (laughs) Did she get divorced, to... Ivana? When she got well, divorced, I don't think she did. Oof,
3: it's actually so interesting. No, she didn't. Of course, of course, she didn't. But, <laughs> yeah, <I heard. laughs> um, but she like she actually is like the female Donald Trump, and is in many ways, I think, like if he had a love of his life, and if he's capable of that, it's her. But she. At at the time, Donald Trump was claiming to be a millionaire and to have a million dollars, which, like, then was, like, more of a lot of money than it is now. So she asked for a million dollars, knowing that he did not in actuality have a million dollars to force him to have to publicly admit that he did not have a (laughs) million (laughs)
2: dollars.
3: So she really is that bitch. (laughs) (laughs) She did that. And then she appeared in First Wives Club and made fun of him.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But then also Linda is at home watching that. But then also she gave birth to. You know, all of of the bad, the really bad ones. (laughs) Yeah. Take the L one step forward. Imagine
0: like Don Jr. having like a warm relationship with his mother. I can't. I mean,
2: obviously he didn't. Right. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully Melinda pulls a Mackenzie Bezos. Exactly. And, you know, just dates a bald teacher and starts finding historically black universities uh, with no strings attached. Uh, to the point where people think that uh, people use her, her things as a scam. Like you yes, have heart agree, Mackenzie. Yeah,
0: it's strange. It's like, I, it's hard to sort of, I've seen this framed in like memes as like, yeah, Melinda, like get it. But she was such a huge part in building this wealth too. Like I do wonder how much of a change it's going to be. Like, I mean, if she gets half of $146 billion and that's confirmed... That's amazing. I don't know if that's what's happening, but I assume she will inherit many, many billions that she herself can decide what to do with without going through, without going through the philanthropy. But I mean, billionaires should not exist. Give away all your money. Like, that's why I'm cool with Mackenzie Bezos. She is literally trying. Like, it's actually kind of hard. Okay, this sounds I'm not going to say that sentence. I was going to say it's really hard to give away your billions, but it's it's hard. (laughs) It, it, it To do so, but like you said, she is getting people are scamming other people because she has been so generous in such a casual manner mm-hmm. that now scammers are trying to, uh, you know, get get nonprofits. Banking These goddamn scammers. Yeah. Claiming to be Mackenzie Bezos. But like last year, she ended up like I think she ended up getting richer, even though she gave away six million dollars. But like, that's the energy you want to see. Like, she doesn't make press about it. Like, take that that man that used all of his privilege and they use their privilege to, these are both white women to earn all of that and redistribute that wealth. Do not wait for the government to do it. What are you waiting for? Just do it yeah. Yeah. Go for it. I trust you.
2: And also just to speak to your thing of like, it is hard for, to give away all that money because a lot of nonprofits, they don't have the structure to suddenly get $2 million out of nowhere. <laughs> you know, I mean, totally. That's, that's like everyone, you know, every time I think, post the uh, like George Floyd and a lot of like, even like the Ferguson protests and stuff there were, you know, there are local small scale nonprofits that were dedicated to bailing people out of jail. Yes. And, you know, there was a lot of criticism that they were misusing funds, you know, because they got, but they got like suddenly a influx of $5 million and there's 10 employees. Um, mm-hmm. I think this happens with races too in Texas, mm-hmm. but it's like, yeah, they're like, fuck, like, we don't, (laughs) like, we're trying to spend this money as soon as possible, but there's only, like, five of us to do this paperwork to get all these people, it's like, yeah, like, even they'll be like, oh, send money to other places, you know, so it's, it is. Totally. I feel like it is kind of hard. You can't just give your. It's hard to spend it all yeah. in
0: a way that has the impact yeah. that
2: you want. Exactly. Well, that's
3: why we have to tax them exactly. and do it that way. Because guess who does have the ability to do it? The U.S. fucking government. Exactly. And they have, <laughs> and they're not just a little. We work with five employees actually, and they can figure. So like. I mean, it does kind of go to show the why, like, just relying on philanthropy is can't solve our problems, because even someone Mm -hmm. who does have these billions of dollars and does have the uh, moral imperative to give it away, like you really the, the only way to really solve these problems is actual like government programs and international mm-hmm. governmental organizations and that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. which aren't perfect either, but are held to an incredibly yes. high standard. Like the yes. government has generally figured out I don't know if this is a big statement, but like parts of the government and the government that they're forming is very able to funnel large amounts of money from the people that have it and are not using it to the people that whose lives depend on it. And
2: yeah. Well, yeah. And, you know, the thing about too, like government and taxing is that like at the end of the day, Bill and Melinda Gates, like, whether they're, you know, good-hearted or not, even Mackenzie Bezos, Jeff Bezos, they have their own brands, they have their own, like, political things, they have their own biases, so they're only going to fund things that they feel like they're important, like kids' cancer, where, like, the government's like, no, we're going to try to get, and I mean, there are biases and stuff like that, too, but it's, like, it's a way more equal playing field of, like, yeah, they're going to fund things for children, but they're going to fund things for addicts and fund roads and fund uh, public college all that all that stuff that's like unsexy and you know there's this really interesting podcast um, Pod Save the People had a, this guy was talking about uh, philanthropy charity and like taxation and like how philanthropy is kind of messed up but it's like yeah like people like Jeff Bezos, Mackenzie be- like people with all this money they should be funding like really experimental things like that's how the first yeah. public library yeah. was created was Instead of like, oh, I'm just going to give a bunch of books, it's like, well, let's figure out the system and then figure it out to scale. And that was like, I think Andrew Carnegie, who like developed the first library. I mean, please, you know, I'm not gonna, don't quote me on that. But I think, but yeah, yeah. It was, it was like <laughs> a, a really rich person was like, let's figure out if we can have a way for people to get books central and like stuff like that. So like universal basic income and all those kind of radical experimental policies, like that need case studies, like those are really great yeah. ways for, you know, billionaires besides taxing the fuck out of them, which we need to do anyway.
0: That's such a good point. I feel like our government, like you hear people on the right, they're like, no, let's just incentivize like innovation. It's like, no, right now, I think like you were saying, Millie, like get the money, the people that needs it and, and use the people that have that access to try out these like experimental things. But also I, this, I think Bill Gates is obviously very different than Jeff Bezos, but he has said some things over the, over the years that are just a a little tinged. Like he doesn't agree with the concept that like billionaires, he's like, I did earn this, like, you know, you got to give me some credit. Like, Bill, nobody yeah. earns a billion dollars. Well, nobody earns, nobody billion. earns, no
3: idea is worth $140 billion. Nothing. Like, he's totally opposed to loosening up patents on these vaccines. I to know if that's why she left him. <laughs> and if we're, like, looking at what's happening in India and the rest of the world, like, that is just... Standing in the way of getting vaccines universally distributed in any manner, I just don't understand it. And that's another... That's another reason we can't rely on billionaires to just do this stuff themselves, because ultimately even someone who I think does have a genuine, um a genuine like public health mission that he has in his life, even him, he's still looking out for his bottom line. Mm-hmm. Like he's sure. still ultimately like, no, but I can't loosen up my patent. That's my patent. I own that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, we can't mess with patents. Like, and it's like yes. it, these people are dying, and uh, if the vaccine, if if the virus spreads from person to person, the more it spreads, the more variants we get, the stronger the virus gets. So if it's spreading anywhere, it's not a good situation. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely, exactly. Open your
2: purse, Bill.
3: <laughs> yeah, open the wallet, hun. Open it up. Open it up.
0: Yeah, it is in line with just it. It tracks with his sort of perspective. That's like no. Uh, India can't have the vaccines. I did earn this. It's like, he wants to there's some, obviously it's like, you cannot overstate the good that they have done already, but it is when white men get to be the gatekeepers of like what philanthropy is worth it and what innovation means, you're gonna run into some problems. Like obviously we all have blind spots.
4: Homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash feverdream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
1: Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles and right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code feverdream20. Just go to com. That's newly with two u's and enter the code feverdream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's com. newly with two u's with code feverdream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. <coughs>
0: So today for our last story, we wanted to share a little follow up to our discussion on the New York City mayor's race. It was funny. There were a couple messages like that were just saying, wait, what's wrong with Andrew Yang, which is totally fair. It was at the end of the episode. So we, so we didn't really get into it. But Andrew Yang is obviously a really beloved figure, especially on this podcast, loved him during the race, still really like him. Um, so it's kind of probably could be jarring to hear that in the New York City mayor's race, he is not he actually is the most popular. Um, which is uh, causing some ire among some more progressive groups. And we didn't explain why, so let's sort of get into it. The chief complaint among New Yorkers, I would say, is that Andrew Yang seems genuinely out of touch with the challenges facing people who do live here. There are a series of gaffes that displayed this. So he once responded to criticism for leaving the city during the pandemic by asking, basically, how could anyone live in a two-bedroom apartment with two kids in Zoom school? Exactly. That's those are problems we need the mayor to solve. So just, you know, a gaffe. But these compounded because we got some more. He then posted a video to Twitter about how much he loved bodegas. It was not a bodega it, that he was in. He was clearly walking through like a larger chain grocery store. <laughs> it was the- like a write-in. Why is that annoying? As for the uninitiated, why is it annoying that he was like, I love bodegas and he's in like a CVS?
3: So I would just say that the bodega is like a cultural staple and backbone of New York city. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are, you can get them in every corner. They're usually owned by like immigrant families. Uh, it's hard to say like they, a bodega has it's it's a deli. Just, like, but, <laughs> look, but with, yeah, it's a deli. It's your local place. Yeah. Like, and it's just to not know what one, looks like and to not find first of all they're everywhere
0: to think like nobody will say anything yeah the point is that they are distinguishable from a it and a a
3: sliding door like that opens opens. by itself it's not a bodega Mm -hmm. is what i'll say and if there's no cat yeah exactly if you think they would ask a cat if a loose cat was inside and you think they'd ask it to leave it's not a bodega
0: like <laughs> the cat they would ask the cat it's the cat can choose yeah and, like
3: if it's mm-hmm. no yeah
2: no keep going keep going
3: i was just gonna say like <laughs> if, the, if the cat doesn't actively live there it's not a <laughs> like,
2: no and i mean again to the to your point amanda it's not about it's like these gaffes are emblematic to what a like what a mayor what a like Him, his term as mayor would look like, right? Like New York, New York City has real issues and real problems that we need somebody who understands like what people are going through and like what it's been like to be poor and raise kids in this city. And, you know, a lot of, on top of like, you know, those gaps, he has a lot of things supporting mostly private businesses and really supporting police and you know, he's made gaps in the past about just some really, um, it's really regressive things about race, about how Asian people need to assimilate better to white culture and American culture and stuff like that. And it's just like, you know, is he a bad human being? No, but is this who we want to be our mayor? When like the, you know, not that like we've ever had a perfect mayor or something, but like the challenges of New York City are so complicated. You really want someone competent and hopeful. And especially this is the Democratic challenger, you know, so it's like, let you know, it's mm-hmm. like getting somebody let's try to get the most progressive person as possible or somebody whose mind can be changed because for for all the things with Joe Biden, he's at least like had radically progressive policies since, you know, he, since he's uh, been elected for the primary. So it's kind of like that. And there are more, way more, like, progressive, better-suited candidates who are, like, actively supporting teachers, want to reduce police budgets, want, you know what I mean? And, like, yeah, I think, but Andrew Yang has the name recognition because he ran for president. So uh, that's kind of, like the thing just to, you know, it's not just about like a bodega, it's about all this other stuff that comes along with it. Yeah.
0: It reminds me of when Cynthia Nixon, when she was running for governor, she got like a cinnamon raisin bagel with scallion cream cheese or like something crazy, (laughs) something absolutely crazy. And it was a story for a day, But she had good policies. Like she wasn't a candidate like Andrew Yang in that race. So people were like, oh God. But nobody was like, you're not a real New Yorker because it was like, she knew what we needed. It's like, she didn't follow that up with, uh, you you know, on National Pet Day, posting about a family dog that you gave away because you had allergies. Yeah, that
3: that was odd. I mean, his odd social media is one thing, but for myself, the reason why I am not personally jazzed on a, on the yang candidacy and i don't like hate andrew yang but number one i don't like his ubi proposal for new york Mm-mm. if you actually i i like ubi but if you look at which what he's is proposing universal basic universal income, basic which, is income his which was two thousand a month thing yeah which was his thing he's not proposing 2000 a month he's proposing 2000 a year for the poorest six percent of new yorkers which like Is it good to give them $2,000? Yeah. Is that going to get them out of poverty? No. And he pays for it by cutting some actually really essential services. So I'm looking at this policy personally. I see it doing more harm than good for the very people that it's supposed to help. Number two, he wants to make New York a hub for for cryptocurrency or like building cryptocurrency. And it's just my feeling with him and like, with all the gaffes and all the like weird ties to business is I just get this feeling that he wants to turn this city into a tech bro experiment Mm -hmm. and we're coming out of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. People are really hurting. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're about to have a major eviction crisis potentially Mm -hmm. in this city. We, we need someone with real ideas to fix what's happening now Mm -hmm. and not like cool little tricks that he wants to try Mm -hmm. because he read about it on his forums or whatever. Like I need, I want, first of all, I think we're in a position where we could get a real progressive person to do some real good for this city. And number two, I haven't heard about him talk about a single thing that has anything to do with what I'm seeing happening in New York right now. Building cryptocurrency means nothing to me. Yeah. (sighs) That's nothing. nothing. He tweeted at one point, he he, he was like, this is another one of his gaffes, but he was like, everywhere I go, New Yorkers are talking about the same thing, unlicensed street vendors. I'm like, what are you, what? Which we were talking about this, Elise, Elise and I saw each other last night, it was so nice. It was
0: beautiful.
2: (laughs) Oh, wow, ouch, Amanda. We saw it with Bianca
0: from Crooked, so it was like a work summit, but we're setting up a SUP summit as well. (laughs) Don't worry, it was spontaneous. But we were saying this, and my question was unlicensed street vendors. He's, that means he's
3: talking about the mango ladies. Yeah, like the ladies who sell mango has a slices with on that. the subways, the churro ladies. I assure you that if he is talking to New Yorkers, not one person has brought up unlicensed street vendors to him. So that feels to me like that's a corporate thing mm-hmm. that some company told him to do. So, you know, again, I don't hate Andrew Yang, but I just haven't been impressed by the campaign. And I really think that we need someone better in this city right now.
2: We deserve someone better. Um, and yeah, like totally, totally piggybacking on, on your thing, Elise, like we have serious issues and he's talking about things that are benefiting businesses and stuff. When like, like a Doge coin, Yeah, exactly. Oh, which Lord. is like, fine, whatever. But it's like, How are we going to keep artists in this city, or how are we going to keep rent affordable, and how are we going to, you know, and like there's a serious problem with school segregation in New York City that no one has been able to crack, you know, and
3: right, and the other candidates are talking about that. Exactly, I don't even hear Andrew Andrew Yang every time I hear him talk, he's talking about some crazy. So I'm being like, I'm gonna make New York City like, in a crowd. <laughs> like, what are you talking about?
2: They're offending <laughs> large swaths of people, like he did in the Stonewall fundraiser or some shit, where he got people so he just he kept calling like the um, LGBTQIA plus community He's like, I love you, guys. Like, it's just like it was a total othering thing that really discomforted a lot of people. And that was supposed to be him getting support from people. So it's like, what are you going to do when things actually get difficult? Like when cops murder another black person, Andrew Yang. Right. exactly.
0: And I think just to provide some context as we end for his sort of enthusiasm about tech and that being beneficial to cities. I'll give a little bit of background on his experience with that. So Andrew Yang has not worked in government or managed any large organization, Mm. but he's had pretty inconsistent results in what applicable experience he does have. So in 2011, he founded a nonprofit to basically create, they wanted to create 150,000 tech jobs in struggling American cities. They wanted to do that by recruiting college graduates to start businesses. The idea was that these people would not be starting businesses in places like New York or LA or San Francisco. Cool idea for sure, but by the it just it didn't work. By the end, uh, only about 150 people worked for the companies that resulted. Again, their goal was 150,000. He left the company that he founded in 2017 to run for president. At that point, the nonprofit had spent about two and a half million more dollars than it raised, and um, that year when he left, they only had about a month's worth of cash in reserves. More than 50 employees of the company talked to the New York Times, and a number told them that they felt the program was ineffective. I mean, everybody has issues with their manager, I'm sure, and these are challenging things to do, but it's relevant because, okay, he's he's offering a different idea of what our mayors generally favor and promote, so we should look at his past success with that, and that also seems to be a little bit questionable. But we plan to do a pretty big New York elections episode. We'll do it as a bonus episode because I know not all of our listeners live here. So we'll do- <gasps> <What>? um... <laughs> 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 They don't? no uh, yes no we've just intentionally not been inviting our no, I know some people out.
3: live in LA <laughs> 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 they love that they love that No, know that's a cool <laughs> thing to say that people love so um we'll do that as a bonus but I hope
0: everybody listens to it we'll have Eliza Orleans back we'll have as many candidates we will give a much more detailed follow-up on Scott Stringer because there are a lot of developments there that we promise to get back to how that's going to impact the rest of this race. That's our show for today. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Mary Tameras. And this is the Betches SUP Podcast.
1: The Betches SUP Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman.
0: Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And
3: send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. batches